Welcome back, weirdos. This is the Randomness Podcast with your host, Dee Marie Scary, and we are back in the living room with episode number four. Today's topic is books galore. From classics to new adult, we will go through what my favorite books are. So, get ready, buckle yourself in, and here we go. And we are back, weirdos, and the randomness has officially commenced. We are going from Dead by Daylight from last episode to books. And not just any books, my favorites. To say I'm a bookworm is describing my reading obsession very loosely. God, I miss the days I could read four to five 500-page books within a week. I don't know how she did it between schoolwork and other activities outside, but she did it. Was she a little crazy? Absolutely. Did she have really good relationships with every librarian in every school? Absolutely. But she owned it. She would walk around with a whole stack. I was like, yeah, I got five books that are like an inch thick. And people are like, can you differentiate the plots? Absolutely. Can I do that now? Not as much. But continuing on. Books have always been an escape for me. Always ready to jump into the next adventure. And since I was so obsessed, my mother, instead of grounding me from TV or going out with my friends, I'd be grounded from books. Not that it really stopped me from reading, because I may or may not have uh, snuck books at night when I was supposed to be sleeping. Whoops. Rebel alert. And it got to the point that my obsession would prevent me from eating, sleeping, drinking water, taking bathroom breaks. I would not do any of those things unless my stomach or my body would absolutely tell me to because I was that obsessed and I had to finish that book at that moment or I would die on the inside. Don't know what was wrong with me. Maybe I just got really into the story. Don't know. But, yeah. Continuing on, (laughs) um, we're going to talk about one of my favorite little tidbits here and it's the new age question of digital Versus print. I love print books. It has basically been the comfort for my entire reading career. From the library to this classic book fair, the smell of books is amazing. I really hope I'm not the only person that really likes that smell or else I sound like a crazy person. More than I already sound at this point. But books have basically been my comfort. I literally have like four or five books that I have with me at all times that I've brought with me through the various moves I made in my life. One of them has to be To Kill a Mockingbird because I just love that book. It really changed me in high school as a freshman. I technically wasn't supposed to read it until I was a junior, but I switched schools in high school for one semester and the other school that I went to was reading To Kill a Mockingbird. Honestly, the best move of my life. Well, reading wise, hated the school, but continuing on. That actually really started to get me into the cla- more of the classics. So right after that year, I actually got into Pride and Prejudice, and I started looking deeper into older books like Mary Shelley and Frankenstein and everything else. And it just really, really helped me to open my mind to newer or to older books in a new state of mind at this point. I would basically at that point would only read new releases such as like Aragorn, Harry, the newest Harry Potter. Any of those books I would only read because they were out and they were like the popular books at the time. But as I got older, I realized there is a whole slew of 
books that authors had written years and years and years ago that are still relevant to today. It's crazy like how many books are out there in this world and so little time we have on this earth to actually read all the books. And still like there's still authors out there still writing every single day, creating new content for all of us to read. It just it's mind blowing to me and I I can't handle it some days. Now I'm just getting too philosophical with myself, but um, continuing into the what I was saying, I love print books, but but I feel as though digital brings a whole new meaning to reading to me. As a graduation gift, my grandmother, um, who I didn't know was a super reader as well, she loved her detective books. Like she didn't tell me she was going to the library every week to get books because she was retired at this point when I was in high school. So she would go out and get books and then come back with like a little stack of detective books. In my entire life at that point, I did not know if she was really into detect- detective books. I, it blew my mind. I was like, Grams, when, when did you get into these? She's apparently always been into them, but I just, you know, being grandparents, we only saw them every once in a while or every week, but they would never do that while we were there because they would be entertaining the the family for birthdays and stuff like that. And I just never got to see her when she was like fully relaxing. And it was great because I was like, oh, so reading like really does run in my family. Like my mom likes to read. My grandma on the other side of the family likes to read. It's just fantastic. I didn't know so many readers were in my family, but continuing on with that, my grandmother gifted me uh, the second generation Amazon Kindle. At first, being an avid reader and a very into print reader, it was kind of like a, oh, thanks, Grams, uh, great. Uh, but she also gave me a gift card with it, was which was fantastic, because at that point, back in 2011, there were a lot of books that were available to everybody for 99 cents. So when you have a $25 gift card for Amazon and a whole bunch of 99 cent books that were actually really well written, oh, it, it, it started the rabbit hole. I... 100% I probably should not have gotten that because it started it started my to be read list very quickly but it also started my obsessed obsession reading to the point where like it, this Kindle I love the Kindle because you can put it in your backpack and not even or your purse or whatever you're carrying because it's so thin you can carry hundreds hundreds of books in there without having to worry about weight or like ruining things or anything like that so it yeah, yeah, it turned into a very bad obsession for me to the point where I was putting aside my schoolwork. I will take full responsibility for my first flunk out of college. I earned an associate's degree earlier on, so I guess in my point of life right now, it didn't really matter, but I did flunk out of school because of my Kindle, 100%. Because of my obsession with reading, I I did not even know this was a thing, but like I would, instead of going to school or instead of like studying, I would just stay up and read all night. Like just these uh, like fantastically written books. But unfortunately it was my downfall for my uh, academic career at that point. In hindsight though, I was not ready for school at that point. I just graduated high school. I went to a community college nearby. I commuted to school every day. It was just like high school 2.0 and I hated it. Did not like it, so it's more of an avoidance technique for me at that point. But do not ever feel pressured to go to college, even if your parents are telling you to go. It's not for everybody. Go back when you're ready. I finally did go back in my uh, mid-20s, 
and I passed every class I was in because I was I just felt like I was ready to go and I was paying for it myself out of pocket. So I really did put all my effort into those classes that I paid for. I felt like it was more of a sense of responsibility for myself rather than trying to do something for somebody else. But enough philosophical and uh, life advice for me because I'm probably not the best person to give it. Uh, we're going to go on to a list of my favorite books of all time. And we're going to talk about them. Yeah. All right, weirdos. Here's a list of my favorite books of all time, which thankfully for you is a small list of craziness. We're going to go through the list, go through what I like about them. And then we're going to go to another list of things because I also have a very long list of to be read. And I really hope you guys will help me figure out what else I need to read. So here we go. One of my favorite books of all time is Pride and Prejudice. Oh, love me some Jane Austen. I may or may not have watched the Kira Knightley version of Pride and Prejudice a billion times. And yes, 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 I understand the PBS version of it is more in tune with the book, but oh, than Mr. Darcy and the Kira Knightley one. Oh, I love him so much. Huh. Yeah. Continue on. Pride and Prejudice is my favorite book, mostly because it really got me into like what romance was back then, what they were, what the traditions were, what were the customs, and it was it's just crazy to me how much like detail there is to like courting somebody like we don't have that anymore what the hell like I want to be like talk to you like that I want to be danced with like that but no we live in a modern world so apparently I cannot have that darn it's okay one of my other favorites is Dracula love it first horror book I actually read uh it was great loved it detailing a little bit slow in my, for my opinion, but still, it's still one of my top books of all time. Uh, all Edgar Allan Poe, very questionable, very dark, very murderous at some points. Still love him. I don't have a specific Edward or Edgar Allan Poe thing, mostly because he has so many works that it, I can't really choose one at this point. H.P. Lovecraft, which. As a uh, side note, I will be reading some of his work later on in a podcast. Don't know when. Got to get through uh, Prismatica first. But continuing on, uh, one of my favorite sci-fi books of all time, of all time that I've read at least four times, which to my family would be super duper surprising considering I would not watch this movie for the life of me for the first seven years of my life. And that would be Jurassic Park. Thank you to my brother and sister for making me deathly afraid of a lot of things. Jurassic Park was the movie I would hide from. Like my sister and my brother would put it on and I would have to, I would literally scream, run and hide. No question about it. I hated it. Even if it affected me so much so that even in my adult life, it gave me like my heart would start racing when the, when the credits would start rolling. Did not like it. Finally, uh, later on, I actually watched it again with my friend. And then I decided I would read the book so I would better understand it. Fell in love with the book. I love the writing. I love the science behind it, even though I know half of it's like not quite true. And like the possibility of it actually happening is still very questionable and very, very, very much like a fantasy. But it was one of the books that started out 
my sci-fi and fantasy like I it just it opened my eyes to it so then now I can watch Jurassic Park movies without any issue at all like I will watch them back to back to back like the like those three movies including the new ones as well like obsessively at some points it's weird I don't know why maybe just reading it would open my eyes a little bit more to what was happening I don't know and of course the lost world is also one of my favorite ones that's the second one for it Getting to uh, know Malcolm was great because you got to see everything from his point of view as well. And I, as much as I love the movies, the books really are the best things to like get into because there's a lot more detail, a lot more science behind it that I feel like if you're really into science or like just, you know, want to get to know it a little bit once you're reading, that these two are great books to read. I love him. Christian is one of my favorite authors. I'm very sad to see that he had not written in, that he, I didn't even know he passed away until I was looking into it after I read Jurassic Park and I was super, super sad. I was like, no, I need more science books, but it's fine. Uh, my favorite fantasy books of all time is, or are, Lord of the Rings. Dear Lord, I love Lord of the Rings. Though the food scenes go on forever, and then I get really hungry afterwards, and so I have to stop and then go eat and then come back to it. But Lord of the Rings is my top one. I will forever read these books. I brought one when I was in England, when I went on my trip two years ago. I just had it with me. It looks atrocious now, but it's still, I will read those books back to front multiple, multiple times. Love it. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon which surprisingly is on here. I read this book well before DreamWorks had rights to it. I read it back in middle school. It was in a green cover and it just had like these little pockets and everything. And it was actually the coolest book I've ever seen. The book and the movie are basically the same, but very different because you actually got to get a dragon at the very beginning of the book. But in the movie, they were like attacking them and everything. But it still, like, it just resonates with me still. And it's, I haven't read it since I was in middle school. And I kind of want to keep it that way because of the fact that it was so good. And it just, it made a staple in my mind. It's one of those books that I love. Uh, Romance books? No, not a huge fan of those. But young adult, love it. Uh, Going back to Kindle, Kindle gave me an opportunity to read all these authors that nobody really knew. They were popular, but not with like mainstream beautiful disaster was one of the books that I was super duper into. It's beautiful disaster by Jamie McGuire. I've read this book probably about 20 to 25 times within a span of like two years. I don't know what it is about it. I love it. It's probably has to do with the story, the characters, everything. It's one of my favorite books of all time. It still resonates with me today. I read it back when I was about 1920. So it was, and right towards that age group right then and there, right when it was a college age girl, fell in love with a, you know, an underground fighter, blah, blah, blah. You'll, you'll get into it once you read it, if you decide to. It's definitely more of a, on the romance side of things, but it had just like the backstory and everything in the the development of characters and the character development in it was just fantastic. I would w- love to have like an actual physical copy of it, uh, but I haven't been able to find one yet, so I had to find one at some point and buy it because it's just one of 
one of my favorite books of all time. I actually got my friends to read it back then. Didn't affect them as well as it did me, but it's still really great. I will forever, forever, forever recommend this book to any anybody who's very into young adult books as well. We are now going to get into my to-be-read list. Dear Lord, this is only a list of the print copies of books that I have. No joke, there isn't there's even a list on Amazon that I have yet to touch for like the last 10 years. I keep adding books to it because I know if I buy them, they're just going to sit on my shelf right now and not be read yet. So I'm going to go through the books that I have currently that I've yet to read. Oh dear Lord. Uh, so I got these books like through uh, the book of the month club uh, when I have my Lovely shopping trips to Barnes and Noble. I just stop myself when I'm at Target because I also go to the book section over there. Even worse, the job I work at has a book section where books are actually like clearanced almost and are at a uh, lower price. And it's I I can't go past it. I will go past the table and I will stand there for ten minutes, ten to fifteen minutes while working, and look at the titles, which I'm not supposed to. I have to stop myself because I'm like I'm at work. You cannot look at the books and. It, it's gotten so bad that I have this stack that my roommate is, he's not happy with me about it because every time I, he sees it, he's like, why are there more books? I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have more books. There is also a stack of books in my closet that I'm trying to give away. I have a whole list of them. I'm trying to either sell them, which where I live currently has no resale like stores, which is very mind boggling to me because when I was living in the Midwest, there was half price books. There was a whole bunch of other places you could go to sell your used books. So not having this here is just, I am blown away. I tried looking for online places to sell them, but they're only going to give me like a dollar 25 for half my books that are relatively brand new, which is kind of disheartening. So if you have any suggestions on how I can sell my books, please let me know as soon as you can on Instagram, on YouTube. Doesn't matter. I'm actually on YouTube now, by the way. I forgot to tell you guys that. I have my podcast uploaded there as well. So if you can't, go on Spotify, Apple, Google, or on the RSS website. There are some on YouTube as well because I know people love YouTube. But I, my brain just can't wrap itself around the idea that they don't have secondhand bookstores here that are accessible to everybody. Maybe that's just a Midwestern thing in me, but not having a place where secondhand books are where you can buy books that people had, that's just weird. Like, I don't, as much as I love brand new books, getting books secondhand is actually better because you know somebody else has enjoyed that book before. I love trying to give away books that I, that aren't my like top, top books that I have to keep. I actually just gave away a whole stack to my friend because I gave her a list of all the books. She picked out the one she wants because she was having it. She couldn't figure out what she wanted to read next. I was like, I got you, girl. I got like 1,700 books in my in my room right now. Which ones do you want? And I gave them to her last week, and she loves them already. Like, pass on a book, man. We might be in a digital age, but print books are still in, man. Let's go. Let's go. And going on to the list. So this is a list of all the books I have not read yet, which is The Great Alone, We Were Never Here, Everything We Didn't Say, The Summer House, When the Stars Go Dark, Crazy Witch Girlfriend, Rich People Problems, Skywalker, A Family at War, 
Ghost Set of Watchmen, Practical Magic, and The Beautiful Ones. So those are all the books I haven't started yet. There are some books I have started already that I just haven't finished yet. And those are Save Me from Dangerous Men, Virgin River, The Final Girl Support Group, The Hunting Party, Ready Player Two, Lovecraft Country, Final Girls, Memoir and Misinformation, The Lost Apothecary, and My Best Friend's Exorcism. I will actually give you a list of the authors of these two so you guys can find them if you're interested. I'm so excited to to start the ones I haven't started yet and super duper excited to finish them. My to-be-read list is so long it's not even funny. I also have more on Amazon, but I'm not even going to go into those because that has been growing for the last 10 years, if not more now. But I love reading. Reading is one of my favorite things in the world. It has basically saved me from awkward situations and then also just got me into more misadventures as well. It's one of the things that I will always go back to no matter what happens in my life. It always brings me comfort. It always brings me joy. Unless it's a sad book, but you know, even then it's still joyous. I don't know how else to describe books for me. They're basically my secondhand minus music. Honestly, they just let me escape my actual life sometimes and sometimes you need that we're gonna end out this podcast with reading chapter four of a the book uh prismatica which i'm super excited because after that there's only two more chapters and i want to know what's in the black box so before we get into that i want to say thanks for listening and we will come back next time with even more randomness so until then here's chapter four of prismatica Have fun. Prismatica, Chapter 4 At four o'clock in the morning, when the dawn was foggy and the sun was hidden and the air was gray as gray could be, the ship pulled up to the shore of a great, gray, dull, tangled, boggy, and baleful swamp. In the center of the swamp, said the gray man, pointing over the ship's railing, is a luminous pool. At the bottom of the pool is a piece of mirror. Can you be back with it by lunch? I think so, said Amos, but it is terribly gray, and I might blend into the scenery so completely I can never get out again. With your red hair, said the gray man. My red hair, said Amos, is only on the top of my head. My clothes are ragged and dirty and will probably turn gray in no time with all that mist. Are there any bright colored clothes on the ship, glittering with gold and gleaming with silk? There is my closet full of jewels, said the gray man. Wear as many as you want. They would weigh me down, said Amos, and I could not be back for lunch. No, I need a suit of clothes that is bright and brilliant enough to keep me from losing myself in all of it. For if I do lose myself, you will never have your mirror. So the gray man turned to one of his sailors and said, You never can get him such a suit? As the man started to go, Amos said, It seems such a shame to take someone's clothes away, especially since I might not come back anyway. Give my rags to whoever owns the suit to keep me until I return. Amos jumped out of his rags, handed them to the sailor, who trotted off towards the wheelhouse. Minutes later, he was back with a bright costume. The sleeves were green silk with blue and purple trimming. The cape was crimson with orange design. The shirt was gold with rainbow checks, and sitting on top of it was one white boot and one black. 
These are what I need, said Amos, putting on the clothes quickly, for he was beginning to get chilly and standing in his underwear. Then he climbed over the edge of the boat into the swamp. He was so bright and colorful that nobody saw the figure in dirty rags run quickly behind them to the far end of the ship and also climb into the swamp. Had the figure been Amos, it was wearing Amos's clothes. The red hair might have attracted some attention. But Jack's hair, for all of his colorful costume, was a very ordinary brown. The gray man looked after Amos until he disappeared. Then he put his hand on his forehead, which began to throb a little, and leaned against the black trunk, which had been carried to the deck. <laughs> came from the trunk. Oh, my nearest and dearest friend, said the gray man. I had almost forgotten you. Forgive me. He took from his pocket an envelope, and from the envelope he took a large fluttering moth. This flew into my window last night, he said. The wings were pale blue with brown bands on the edges, and the undersides were flecked with spots of gold. He pushed in along the long metal flap at the side of the trunk, like a very small mail slot, and slid the moth inside. Fuffle came from the trunk, and the gray man smiled. In the swamp, Amos waited until the prince had found him. Did you have any trouble? Amos asked. Not at all, laughed Jack. They didn't even notice the jailer was gone. For what they had done last night, after we left them, was to take the jailer's key, free the prince, and tie the jailer and put him in the cell under all the gray blankets. In the morning when the sailor had come to exchange the clothes, Jack had freed himself again when the sailor left, then slipped off to the ship to join Amos. Now let us find your luminous pool, said Amos, so we can be back by lunch. Together they started through the marsh and muck. You know, said Amos, sobbing once to look around at the gray spider web that spread from limb of a tree above them to a vine creeping on the ground. This place isn't so gray after all. Look closely. And in each drop of water on each strand of the web, the light was broken up as if through a tiny prism into blues and yellows and reds. As he looked, Jack sighed. These are the colors of the far rainbow. He said no more, but Amos felt very sorry for him. They went quickly now toward the center of the swamp. No, it isn't completely gray, said Jack. On a stump beside them, a green-gray lizard blinked a red eye at them. A golden hornet buzzed above their heads, and a snake that was gray on top rolled out of their way and showed an orange belly. And look at that, cried Amos. Ahead through the tall gray tree trunks, silvery gray light rose in the mist. The luminous pool, cried the prince, and they ran towards it. Sure enough, they found themselves on the edge of a round, silvery pool. Across from them, large frogs croaked, and one or two bubbles broke the surface. Together, Amos and Jack looked into the water. Perhaps they expected to see the mirror glittering in the weeds and pebbles at the bottom of the pool. Perhaps they expected their own reflections. But they saw neither. Instead, the face of a beautiful girl looked up at them from below the surface. Jack and Amos frowned. The girl laughed and the water bubbled. Who are you? asked Amos. In return, from the bubbles they heard, Who are you? I am Jack, Prince of the Far Rainbow, said Jack, and this is Amos. I am a wo woman worthy of a prince, said the face in the water, and my name is Leah. Now, Amos asked, why are you worthy of a prince, and how did you get where you are? Ah, said Leah. The second question is easy to answer, but the first is not so simple. 
For that is the same question asked me a year ago today by a wizard so great and so old and so terrible that you and I need never worry about him. What did you say to him? asked Jack. I told him I could speak all the languages of men and that I was brave and strong and beautiful and can govern beside any man. He said I was proud and that my pride was good. But then he saw how I looked in mirrors at my own face. And he said that I was vain and my vanity was bad and that it would keep me apart from the prince I was worthy of. The shiny surface of all things, he told me, will keep us apart until a prince can gather the pieces of the mirror again, which will release me. Then I am the prince to save you, said Jack. Are you indeed? asked Leah, smiling. A piece of a mirror I am trapped in lies at the bottom of the spool. Once I myself died from rock into the blue ocean to retrieve a pearl of white fire I wear on my forehead now. That is the deepest dive ever heard by man or woman, and this pool is ten feet deeper than that. Will you still try? I will try and perhaps die trying, said Jack, but I can do more, no more, and no less. Then Jack filled his lungs and dove headlong into the pool. Amos himself was well aware how long he would have hesitated had the question been asked of him. As the seconds passed, he began to fear for Jack's life, and wish he had a chance to figure out some other way to get the mirror out. One minute passed. Perhaps they could have tricked the girl into bringing it up herself. Two minutes. They could have tied a string to the leg of a frog and sent him down to do the searching. Three minutes. There was not a bubble on the water, and Amos surprised himself by deciding the only thing to do was to jump in and at least try to save the prince. But there was a splash at his feet. Jack's head emerged, and at a moment later, his hand, holding a large fragment of a broken mirror, came into sight. Amos was so delighted that he jumped up and down. The prince swam to the shore, and Amos helped him out. Then they leaned the mirror against the tree and rested for a while. It's well I wore these rags of yours, said Jack, and not my own clothes, for the weeds would have caught on my cloak and the boots would have pulled me down and I would have never come up. Thank you, Amos. It's a very little thing to thank me for, said Amos, but we had better start back if we want to be at the ship in time for lunch. So they started back and by noon they had nearly reached the ship, but the prince left the mirror with Amos and darted ahead to get back to the cell. Then Amos walked out to the boat with the broken glass. "'Well,' he called up to the thin gray man who sat on top of his trunk waiting, "'here is your mirror from the bottom of the luminous pool.' The gray man was so happy that he jumped from the trunk, did a cartwheel, and then fell into a wheezing and coughing, and had to be slapped on the back several times. "'Good for you,' he said when Amos had climbed onto the deck and given him the glass. "'Now come have lunch with me, but for heaven's sake, get out of those circus tents before I get another headache.' So Amos took off the prince's clothes, and the sailor took him to the brig and returned with Amos's rags. When he addressed, he was about to go in with the gray man to lunch. His sleeve brushed the gray man's arm. The gray man stopped and frowned so deeply his face became almost black. These clothes are wet, and the ones you wore were dry. So they are, said Amos. What do you make of that? The gray man scowled and contemplated, but he could not make anything of it. And alas, he said, never mind, come and eat. The sailors carried the black trunk below with them, and Amos and his host ate a heavy and hearty meal. The gray man speared all the radishes from the salad on his knife and flipped them into a funnel that he had stuck in the round opening of the trunk. Farumph, farumph, farumph. End chapter four.